0: You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. Can I ask that? We're asking God hard questions. And the chapter that I read in this book is like, what if someone came to church, a young woman, who is in the now day context of life, and she heard some pretty crazy scriptures? that said that women are supposed to do or not do lots of things in church. And how would she feel about that? So just kind of a fresh eyes that we're looking at some of these scriptures. And that is certainly not the message that I feel that Jesus portrayed in his life. He portrayed a message of including women, of lifting women up from situations that culturally or... Uh, legally were keeping them down but he lifted them up into conversations with him into traveling with him and traveling for him providing for him ministering for him and for the gospel even after his death so I hope that you'll join with me and feeling the freedom that God wants to bring today Amen? amen amen all right so hi mom she's in heaven I like to think of my mom in the perfect shalom. She is whole, and she, uh, whatever she saw herself or other people in the eyes that she had on this earth or the heart that she had, when she went to heaven, she sees with his eyes and with his heart. So I just really love thinking about her up there and working with Jesus and just being involved in his presence, and uh, I, just, I just love that, so... If you're missing your mom today because she's in heaven, just think about, you know, the passion that she has towards the things of God for your life and for the people that you're involved with. And she's right up there with Jesus, kind of nudging him, saying, that's my girl down there. That's my boy. (laughs) I don't know if that really happens, but it's kind of cool to think about. (laughs) So as I preach today today. I want to tell you what my personal mission is in life, whenever I preach, whenever I do, is that you would pursue your purpose passionately. That is my whole goal. And uh, when you pursue, that you seek, and you yearn for the life that you were born to live, that, I, just, I pray that God will give you the freedom that you would pursue and live the life that you were born for. And that when you have found your purpose, that you believe and operate as if God has ordained you ordained you and asked you to exist for a reason it is true it is very true and that when you have passion that you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you and that the old nature is passing away and behold all things have become new in and through Christ Jesus and that he has given you a transformed self through himself how amazing is that have you ever tried to change somebody Have you ever tried to change their behavior or yourself? But you know when God comes up and the Holy Spirit bubbles within you and he gives you his heart towards something, you are motivated not just to change but be transformed by the renewing of your thinking. And so this is my heart as we preach this message, that you will be transformed to pursue your purpose passionately. Uh, Let's... Think about what God says about women. What is his view? And uh, God says that women are a wonderful thing and that they are a complement to society and to initially when they were brought to a man, right? In Genesis chapter 2, we find God's utopia, his perfect world, right? And all through Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, it's talking about creation. God created light. God created the sun and the moon and the rivers and the fish in the rivers and fish in the ocean. He said, what does he say after everyone? It is good. It is good. But he created man, and there was something missing. He said, I saw man alone. I said, it is not good. So God created woman a man to sleep, took a rib out of man, because you know women, uh, when they're going to begin to be fruitful and multiply, they can't have different DNA, they need to have some shared DNA, so he took the rib out of the man, and he put it in a woman and created a woman, she wasn't created by inferior soil, she wasn't created in a different uh, design than man, except that she was a woman which is man with a womb. That's what that word means. It doesn't mean inferior, stupid female. It means you are a man with a womb. And together, you create life. The math is very simple. Adam could not produce and multiply and do all the things that he had to do without an equal counterpart. Right? He needed someone he didn't have to give instructions to every step of the way to help him out. He needed a thinking... Woman, a woman who had ideas, a woman who had opinions and thought and care for all of creation that they were in charge of. Can you imagine being the only two people on the planet? I'm like, oh, carry a load, baby, right? <laughs> carry a load. I don't want to have to tell you how to put your slippers on in the morning. Come on, let's go. So he gave him a woman, and in the Hebrew word, that does not mean the word helper. Is also associated with God eight times. And God is not our subordinate, right? So woman is not man's subordinate. Woman is man's counterpart. Woman is man's uh, fullness. She adds to the fullness of what's going on in creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, and they will be yours for food. And verse 31 And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Yeah? And so before anything else happens, God has given them both co-dominion over everything and asked them to subdue it. When Jesus was here, he said the kingdom of God is at hand. And he wanted everyone to operate in this dominion of the kingdom of God, right? Now, can you imagine if we think that women cannot teach Women cannot have a place in ministry. Women cannot disciple. Women cannot read the word of God, which is what they believed in that time and place where Jesus was. Women didn't have school. Around the world, we can see many places where women still do not have school. But Jesus called all of us into this kingdom operation. He called all of us because, you know, the job is too big the job is too big for only one race or one gender. And we have to be careful with how we think and how we talk to people and how we present things so we are an inclusive people. Because in Joel 2, that was quoted in Acts 2, it said that the men and the women and the young men and the old men and the children all would prophesy, right? God is inclusive. And when he does that in the New Testament, He's quoting from the Old Testament. So this was always in the heart of God. It was always in the heart of God to include women and children and young and old. And what's our theme this year? Generational generosity, right? We're coming together. We're working together. We're getting the gifts of the young people to help us with technology for sure, right? And uh, they're hearing some of the wisdom and watching us walk our lives for those who are more seasoned, shall we call ourselves. And uh, so we need to be generationally generous with our advice, with our wisdom, but also gaining from the younger people that come from behind us, right? And also many cultures. We represent many cultures here. Yeah? So we have to, we have to embrace everybody because God loves that. You know in heaven, there's no Chinese rope. And then a uh, uh, Filipino row. And then a uh, Swedish row. There's no Baptist row, Catholic row, uh, Church of God row. There's just everybody worshiping and bowing down before the Lord, saying, Holy, holy is the Lord. And don't you want to look like heaven? Don't you want to look like heaven? I believe that this mountain of having a superior, complex uh, composure that some people have was stirred in me as a young person. I hated it. I hated prejudice. I hated someone telling me I couldn't. If you tell me I can't, I probably will try and do it. I don't like it. Recently, I had shoulder surgery, and uh, my husband you know, knows that I'm a bad patient. I'm always trying to do more than I should do. You know, and I thought, I have to rest my arm for five weeks. I can't open my own car door for five weeks. Instead of being so lovingly like, oh, he's so nice. He'll do all this for me. You know, I got that independent spirit. What do you mean I can't open my own car door for five weeks? Because God put something inside me to, you know, fight for what is right, fight for rights. And I remember being in college, which was not a good career choice for me to be a college student because I was always arguing with the professors. And I remember being in the sociology class, and this professor said back in the early 80s, I don't believe that we should teach English as a second language, because some people are just meant to be busboys. I couldn't sit in my seat. I had to stand up. I had to say, excuse me. Are you saying that the next amazing neurosurgeon, just because they don't speak English, shouldn't be allowed the same educational opportunity that could save you if you have a brain tumor, but because you decided they weren't worth something? A class? They weren't worth a class? Are you serious with me? I'm like, oh, can we talk after class? I'm like, no, we're going to talk now. (laughs) You just let that thing out. (laughs) So I didn't do well in college. But we've come a long way, huh? Amen. We've come a long way. So God says that we women are helper and counterpart, and they have a charge of the Lord to have co-dominion over the earth and everything in it. And it says in Proverbs 18.22 that a man who finds a wife finds a treasure, and he finds favor from the Lord. Proverbs 19.14, fathers can give their sons an inheritance of houses and wealth, but only the Lord can give an understanding wife. Wow, he says good things about women, even in the Old Testament. And if you're single here today or widowed, uh, these things are still over you. You don't have to get married for these things because these things should be true about you before you get married. So if you're single today, uh, please don't take my words as, oh, only if I'm married I have the grace of God. No, that's not true. Because you're these things. Read Psalms 139. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the womb of your mother. No one comes to earth without a mom, right? (laughs) So honor your mother. We're going to talk about some women who have done amazing things for the cause of Christ. This is Sister Amy Semple McPherson. She's the founder of our denomination, Foursquare Church. She is also the founder and the operator of KSFG, which is a radio station that uh, she developed and owned, and she's also the founder of Life Bible College, which now has become two or maybe three campuses in this nation. And um, her famous quote is, what is my task? First of all, my task is to be pleasing to Christ to be empty of myself, and to be filled with him, to be filled the Holy Spirit, and to be led by the Holy Spirit. She was an amazing woman of God. In 1923, when women really aren't supposed to be doing things like this, like be a CEO, she uh, uh, bought the land at Echo Park. You know, she owned Echo Park. She actually gave it to the city. She owned it. And uh, she only had enough money for the contractor to dig a hole. She said, well, then dig the hole. God will fill it. And in a very short amount of time, she built an auditorium that seat 5,300 people. And she filled it every service. She didn't do it. The Holy Spirit did it. But she said yes to the call. She said yes to the call. How amazing is that? Those are your roots in this denomination. Here is someone I used to love to read about when I was young. Sister Amy Carmichael, or called Amma, which means mother in India. She was a missionary and an author in India. She went to India, sent by the Church of England. And she, uh, growing up in Ireland, she grew up in Ireland, she'd always wish for blue eyes. She said, God, why don't you give me blue eyes? I keep looking in the mirror every day. I know you can do anything, but you don't give me blue eyes. Why don't you give me blue eyes? And so she went to India And she found out that all these young children were being given to the temple for prostitution to honor the temple gods. And she used to go in there, cloaked in her Indian garb, with her brown eyes coming through, and rescue the children. And then she said, that's why you didn't give me blue eyes, so I could go rescue the children incognito. And she built an orphanage. That is still an operation today. And when the Church of England said, we're not going to give you any more money, she operated it by faith with never asking for a dime. She authored 40 books while she was there in India. You know they didn't have typewriters back then? Yeah. She's done amazing work. So all through history, we see that God has apostles as women, and evangelists as women, and missionaries as women, and teachers as women, and preachers as women, and all of these women that I'm mentioning also operated in the amazing miracles, signs, and wonders. Ida B. Robinson, she said, if Mary could carry the word of God in her womb, I can carry the word of God on my lips. And she developed the Mount Sinai Holy Church of America And uh, back in 1924, God had told her a vision to come out on Mount Sinai and loose the women. And even though this denomination didn't grow as much as Foursquare, it is still happening today. And she was a very, very brave woman, being African American, of course. Also, she had a few strikes against her in the world of society. But we've come a long way. The mountain has moved. Amen? Amen. You should get excited about that. But the questions I'm supposed to answer today... In the next five minutes. Does God discriminate against women? Well, I would have a resounding no. And women, are you the weaker vessel? And should you be silent in church? And then is it okay for you to preach when men are present? Well, we're going to find out. (laughs) You know, I really loved, I listened to a lot of uh, theologians. I read a lot of Greek and Hebrew and books. And uh, I really love what John Ortberg says. He said, growing up in the Baptist church, I really did believe that women were the weaker vessel. I believed that they were inferior to men and that God had said that they should serve the man, Uh, just like it says in Genesis 3. But then as I became a preacher and I got married and I had two children and I wanted more for them, I realized my theology was built on the curse and not on the blessing. Is your theology built on a curse? or is it built on a blessing? Is it built on the original intent of God, or is it built on how man has intervened and messed the world up? I want you to operate in the kingdom of our God. Amen? Amen. So we're going to look at a, uh, I wondered if this message was even, even necessary. Because our denomination was created by a woman, and we see women preaching and being missionaries all over the world. I've raised, uh, my husband and I have raised two amazing daughters. I say, when I grow up, I want to be like them. They've done missionary work. They certainly speak in front of people. uh, Our youngest is in the world of advertising, going to school, and doing great. And, uh, you know, so... I haven't heard one of them talk about being a homemaker. <laughs> uh, they talk about their trips, and they talk about the things that God has for them that are really amazing. And uh, I, I encourage them, go, go for it. And when you get all those dollars, come back home. No. <laughs> but uh, our life group, I asked women, what would they ask God? And this is what they said. I would ask God, what position do women have in church? And someone said, I would ask God, if all the Catholic uh, heads, the Pope and the Cardinals, are men, why do they wear dresses? (laughs) I would ask God, why do women have to have painful female issues? I would ask, how can I be a great mom and a role model if all my kids are boys? Where is the Gospel of Mary or the Old Testament book of Miriam? Why are there not more stories in the Bible about young girls and women and why is there so much honor about Mary in the Catholic Church? So that encouraged me to do the sermon. And I thought, well, yeah, we actually still do need to answer all these questions. Amen? So we're going to say, can I ask that? And I want to talk about Sarah and Abraham. It says, you are the daughters of Sarah. Yeah. A lot of us, we keep attached to the, you know, time Eve ate the apple. We say we're daughters of Eve. But Hebrews says, we are the daughters of of Sarah. Peter says we are the daughters of Sarah, and Sarah is a shiro, That means a girl hero, okay? <laughs> Sarah is a shiro because Sarah didn't operate in fear, the Bible says. Sarah, we can see that God says you are co-together, because when he comes to Abraham, you know, Abraham used to have a name without an H in it, and Sarah used to have a name without an H, right? And when God came to Abraham, he put part of his name in Abraham's name. Because he said, now we're in covenant together. Your enemies are my enemies. I will bless who blesses you. And I'm going to give you a land that's amazing to possess. And your offspring are going to be more than the numbers of the sand. You cannot count the stars, but your offspring are going to be as much of the stars They're like 90. They don't have children yet. Abraham's looking at God like, what? Sarah's in her tent laughing like, what? But you know, God changes her name too, and he puts his name in her name, because they are co-covenant people with an amazing God. She's not left out. She's not the servant. She's not subservient. She comes with Abraham, with her name changed, and they walk into covenant together. And she bears that one and only child, Isaac, who God has called. And somehow, we all become part of that lineage. What an amazing, historical, beautiful thing that we have relying on what God has said to Abraham and to Sarah. And in 1 Peter, it says, but Sarah called Abraham Lord. Lord. And so then we're thinking, what do we got to go around and like this to our husbands? What do you want? How can I serve you? That's not what it means. The word Lord was written in all lowercase letters, and it meant Adonai, like madam or sir. And, you know, before you start bashing the fact that we're supposed to respect our husbands, why would we not? I want the best for my husband. I want him to be respected in the city gates. I want him to have an anointing on his life. I want him to have as much provision and God as he can get. I want him to be respected. I want him to be loved. And I want him to be most that at home. I don't want him to have to find it more somewhere else. There's nothing wrong with respecting your husband. You should want that in your marriage And God says, what we don't have, we should start operating in faith as if we do have it. And we, you know, if you need to go to EHS and EHR and figure out how to work some of those things out or have a pastoral counseling or marriage counseling with a therapist, go do that. But yes, by all means, have a beautiful covenant relationship together with your Lord and, and together respect and honor each other. Amen? Amen. There we go. Let's go back. We went too far. Our women the weaker vessel. Peter 3, 6, and 7. We've talked about this already a little bit. But I'll read the scripture for you. First Peter 3, 6, and 7. Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master or Lord... You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. You know, there's a lot, uh, there's quite a few scriptures in the Bible about your prayers being hindered. Like if you don't give to the widows and the orphans and you just pass them by. Like if you have unforgiveness in your heart. But here he's saying to the men, to give respect and honor to their woman as a weaker vessel. But what that meant is that she is not considered in culture or society as one who could vote, as one who could go to school, as one who could have a governing position. And so because you know her so intimately and so well, you know your daughters, you know your sisters, and you see their gifts and their talents, will you honor them even though the pagan culture does not honor women? You know, back in the day, in all my research, I learned that there were these men called the bleeding and bruising rabbis, and uh, they weren't that way because they got beat up by women who knew they were narrow-minded, but (laughs) they got that way because when they would walk and they would see a woman, they would close their eyes, and then they would keep walking, which that I don't understand. And so they would bump into things, and they would have bruises, and they would trip over things and have bleeding. And they were called the bleeding and bruised rabbis because they refused to look at a woman. And so they would close their eyes and keep walking. So I'm questioning their intelligence, but (laughs) they would wake up and they would say this beautiful prayer that they thought. "O Lord, thou art great, and I thank you for not making me a woman, a Gentile, or a slave. But the beautiful thing about this, I have to close on this point. We have lots of other points we're going to skip through here. Is that Paul probably grew up being a Pharisee saying that prayer or hearing it said. And we come to Galatians 3.28, where the word of God is breathed upon them to write this passage that says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is considered the first human rights passage of equality. And all those prayers that had been said, thank you God for not making me a, Jew, a Gentile, a woman, or a slave. God comes against all of that in this little verse. Don't read your Bible too fast. Sit and meditate and dwell on that. In the world that we have today with all the science and the technology and the health management and the uh, nutrition and mathematician and sending rockets to space and making um, cars that go without gas and all the things that we're doing, We need everybody anointed and powerful by God to do all these things. When people used to ask me when I was raising my children, do you work? I would say, yes. I am the CEO of a small company. I manage everything. Nothing happens there without going first through me. And you know what else about women? Paul said to Timothy... That women should stay silent in church. But that's not really what Paul was saying as a permanent thing. He was talking about a culture situation. He was talking about Timothy roping a very Greek, uh, worshiping uh, women, gods, and situations. Lots going on there. We can have coffee. I would gladly go out to coffee with you and discuss this more with you. Because he cannot contradict himself in the word of God. And in the word of God, he says to Timothy, fan into flame that gift that was put in you. And remember how your grandmother and your mother discipled you and they trained you and they taught you the word of God. Remember what was put inside you with your mothers and your grandmothers. So Paul couldn't have meant that women can't teach because often women are the first disciplers. Often they are the first evangelists. Often they are the first missionaries because of this massive heart they have within them. And yes, there are females and males that do things similar or greater than each other that are more, you know, uh, what do you want to call it, in the DNA uh, or in the, in the physical physiology of a woman's body and a man's body. But often, if you would just embrace who God has called you to be, you will be an amazing pastor at home. A discipler. I love the phrase I'd never forget this when I was like 13, my brother and his wife had a baby, and she had this pewter uh, little bowl on her table and it says, "The hand that rocks the cradle ru- rules the world." And I thought about Mary and I thought about John the Baptist mom, and I thought about the Shiro, the wealthy woman uh, of The name of the town escapes me. She didn't want, uh, she didn't have children. But uh, Elijah, the uh, prophet, she had built an apartment for him to stay. She was very generous to him. And so he's like, I want to give you something you don't have. And you know what she said? She's like, I got everything I need, mister. I got all my family living around me. I got lots of wealth. Matter of fact, I built you an apartment. I didn't ask you for anything. Don't give me, don't. She knew where he was going. She's like, don't wreck my heart. Don't. He's like, yeah, I'm going to pray the next year you'll have a child. Don't do that to me, she said, because she knew how much she would love. And so pretty much uh, that son is born, and he's out in the field working with his dad. and He's like, I have such a headache. You know, so dad, of course, says, go find mom. (laughs) And he laid in her head, and by noon, he was dead. But she's a shiro because she passed many people who said, is there anything wrong? She's like, it's all right. If they didn't have God's answer, she said, it's all right. She went out, send me a worker and saddle up a mule. I need to go see the prophet. And her husband's like, why? It's not holiday. It's not this. It's not that. She's like, it's all right. Don't worry me. And then she told the guy, don't slow down. Let's just keep going. So she comes, and she gets to the prophet's servant, and he's like, anything wrong? She's like, it's all right. I know you ain't got the goods. And She gets to the prophet, and she lays at his feet, and she says, I told you not to do this to me. And so in a series of events, the boy comes back to life. But she is a shiro, and I will tell you that in your everyday walk, women, you are a shiro. You are telling a lot of people, it's all right when you have pain inside you, and you are waking up, and you are going to work, and you are going to school, and you're going amongst your friends, and you're doing so much, and on the inside of you, you're saying, I want my dream to live. I want the mountain to move. And God is saying, the mountain has moved many times throughout centuries, and I'm going to keep moving it. God has said, many people in the word of God, their dreams have died, but I have raised them to life. God is saying, I want you to live a life and life more abundantly. We're going to let the kids come in. God has said that he is good and he is willing to, all, to do all that you can never think or imagine. For those who are in Christ Jesus and love him, he's doing amazing things. Hallelujah. Wow, we're going to have the kids come in. So, will you just close your eyes for five seconds and say, God, move my mountains, put life to my prayer and my dreams. I give it all to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.